Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Okay, it's a privilege to share the word this evening. Is everybody well? Yeah, positive, like great stuff, cool stuff. Um, <clears throat> yeah, guys, uh, in the middle of the relationship month, and uh, if you missed last week, yo, it's one of the best sermons I've heard on purity. So I want to really encourage you, do yourself a favor, and send it to all your friends as well. Amen. And uh, uh, next week is communication. I'm going to be coming and writing all this stuff down because that's one of those things you can just grow in and learn and so, until the day you die. Amen. So please join us for that as well. Um, great. Uh, David, my son, he's uh, seven. One of his best friends at school is a, a little girl. Her name is Lizette. I've got my eye on her. Because eh? I see a, a plan. She makes, she makes these beautiful little letters for him. He just thinks they play together nicely, but just his heart's all over the letters and his little markies and squeakies. And she's, yes, my best, Mikey, and everything. I was like, I've got my eye on you. Checking. <laughs> no, but it's, it's funny because as a dad, <clears throat> there's just a difference. There's just a there's just you just look at these things differently. Now I've got two daughters as well, and that's way worse, way worse. If somebody just if a little boy just kind of sort of looks at Abigail, I'd like, watch out, buddy. But anyway, she's not in that phase yet. She loves playing with the boys. She climbs trees with them, plays football with them, and does you know just enjoys being active. But uh, I know there's problems coming, but I've. I've applied for a firearms license. No. <laughs> Anyways, but um, but I'm just I'm just I'm having respect for the fact that as a dad, there's um, it's just a different dynamic that comes in. So I actually want to start with that. Even before I pray, I want to say to you that you have a loving father, and he cares for you. And that's where the, the angle my message is coming from tonight. I'm going to talk about potholes and pitfalls and stuff to avoid. To also for you. Because I want my children to avoid stepping into these things. Amen? And I know the Father, His desire for each one is to flourish. Absolutely flourish in what He has prepared the fullness of what He has prepared for you when it comes to relationship. He wants you to enjoy the fullness of what He has prepared. Amen. So just, there's going to be some difficult things we're going to talk about, but just remember that in the back of your mind, that there's a loving Father, and that is His desire for you, us to prosper, um, and to flourish in that. Okay. I just want to pray briefly. Father, we... We humbly come this evening and we ask in the name of Jesus that you would 
Show us your heart tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would direct and lead us into truth and that you would be our teacher. Uh, we ask in Jesus' name that you, we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then we, we, as we go from this place, that we would be more like Christ, Lord, and that our minds will be renewed and be continually renewed in the name of Jesus. So we, are, we thank you for your presence here, Lord. We thank you for your love and your care for each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, does anybody know what this is? Okay, the musicians aren't allowed to say. That's a clue. What is it? What did you say? A stock. I thought you said some technical term. Any guys know? Yeah, I, I found this in the back there. Anyway, does anybody know what this is? Any guesses? I can guess because I know where I found it. But if you don't know where I found it, it's going to be tricky to guess what it is. Anyone want to try? Something part of a drum kit, yes. So if you didn't know, I found it there behind in the, one of those boxes with all the sound equipment. It might have taken a while for you to guess what it is. The thing is, um, I could probably, I could use this. I already have a few uses in in, in my mind. I could use it at my braai. To you know, you could use it for braaiing, stirring the coals. You can use it to lift up the grid. There's all kinds of handy things you can do with this. But it's quite, it's probably expensive, and it's probably, it's been designed quite meticulously. I'm not going to appreciate that. Amen. And when you were asking earlier, what's the, mo the mo biggest challenge facing relationships? I think that's one of the biggest ones, as we don't know what they're for. The world, if, if we don't in Christ, and we don't have a biblical understanding of what marriage is about and what relationships are about, we're just going to destroy them. Just going to destroy each other. We're gonna, I'm going to destroy this thing when I use it for my braai. <laughs> um, so I believe that's one of the biggest challenges. And uh, that's my point number one. Where's my, where's my Presley? There you go. Oh, yes. But before I get to point number one, look at that beautiful photo. Eh? Isn't that cool? So I thought, yeah, no, go back. Go back. Let's start, look at the nice one for now. So. So I didn't want to start with the depressing stuff. So look how beautiful that is. Isn't that amazing? As, a, as my first slide. Um, because as a dad, I was like, guys, just look out, man. Just look out for these potholes. Next one. Sometimes you feel like there's a big crater. You must just, there's some, of the problem, <laughs> some of them are like a big hole in the ground. And then I found this one. I thought, Yes. There's some of the stuff I'm going to talk about. It's more in this kind of category. Okay? Go on. I found this one, which was quite funny. Next one. Anyway, this is a big, deep bottle. I don't know if you can read that. It says China, 7,918 miles. Okay. That was, that's nothing to do with my sermon. Anyway, so, um, but to get my heart, okay, there's big, Big things I want you to look out for and don't, don't step in. Okay. So the number one thing is if we don't know what it's for, if we have an unbiblical understanding, unbiblical view and expectation of marriage, that's going to be a problem. Um, you know, I'm trying to knife. I'm trying to teach them how to use a knife. I tell them, once you know how to use it, then you can have one. 
And she's like, okay, I know how to do it. I've seen it. I know how to do it. I said, no, you don't. You're going to cut yourself, you know, because I don't want him to get hurt. Amen? So I'm going to teach him properly, show him what it works, and then when he has an, a, a biblical understanding of how to use a knife, then he can use a knife. Amen? So we spoke about this briefly at Bible School this week um, from a different perspective, and that is from the perspective of, of, of sharing the gospel with somebody. So I'm just going to use it as an example. If you share Christ with somebody and you tell somebody about Jesus, um, and I, did, I was guilty of this as a young believer, I wanted people so badly to follow Jesus that I thought, if I can just paint this amazing picture that is irresistible, then everybody is going to say, yes, we want to become a Christian. So I actually I said to them, I tried to, to pitch this amazing thing. And it's like telling somebody, listen, I've got tickets for you for a holiday cruise. And, and, and somebody tells you, you've got these free tickets for a holiday cruise. It's amazing. On this huge cruise liner, all the entertainment you can imagine, best food in the world, you know, all the great stuff is on there. It's a massive holiday, no stress, no worries, etc. And you get up on the ship and you enter the ship and suddenly you realize, this is not a cruise liner. This is a battleship. They put a helmet on your head, they put a gun in your hand and say, listen, the, the first attack's coming in right now. And you're like, what? This is, I'm on the wrong ship. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. But following Jesus is, is like in a bad gospel somebody telling them this is going to be like a massive holiday and they face reality. They're going to be very offended and they're probably going to stop. Or they probably weren't following Jesus in the first place then. But you get what I'm saying? If you have this, ex- this wrong expectation and you face the reality of it, then suddenly you just, you just this is not what I signed up for. I want to get out of this thing. And very similar with marriage. If we enter marriage and a relationship that's meant to lead or lead towards marriage with the completely wrong expectation, and, and the difficulties and the tough things and the stuff comes against us that the enemy throws at us, you say, well, I, I'm not, I didn't sign up for this. You, you get that. Same with parenting, but I'm going to leave that for another day. Okay, just, just want to sh- don't shock you all too much at once. So um, if, you go into, if we go into marriage or a relationship that leads to marriage with this, underst- or this expectation that this person is going to make me happy, this person is going to make me whole, you can fill in the blanks, whatever applies, this person is going to give me greater social standing or they're going to help me achieve my goals or they're going to make me rich or they're going to you know, meet all my expectations and desires or they, this person, <laughs> whatever, you can fill in the blanks there. Um, if we go in with that perspective, then that's just heading for the disa- for disaster from the sta- first from the first um, from right from the start. Um, I want to read for us from uh, actually first. Let me just see. Do I have the Genesis one on there? Let's go. Yes, next one. That's nice picture again. Just to see, it's the beautiful plan that God has for us. Amen. Go on. <laughs> next one. C.J. Mahaney, the key question is this. Will we approach marriage from a God-centered view or a man-centered view? In a man-centered view, we will maintain our marriage as long as our earthly comforts, desire, and expectations are met. In a God-centered view, we preserve our marriage because it brings glory to God and points a sinful world to a reconciling Creator. 
That's a huge difference, isn't it? And just to back that, in Genesis 1, we see God right there from the beginning. He creates man and created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, first commandment, be fruitful and multiply. Hallelujah. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right there at the beginning in Genesis, we see we start seeing God's purpose for marriage. And the, the big main, the three main ones we get out of this is obviously in everything, all of humanity is created to bring glory to God. Okay, so that one is, is, is right overarching everything else. And then he says it's, marriage is meant for procreation. And then in Ephesians 5, I want to point us to the next one. He says, verse 31, Therefore man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, thinking that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. He says that this mystery refers to Christ and the church. And that's the, the third very important purpose for marriage is illustration. God has chosen to, that marriage should be an illustration of the mystery between Christ and of the relationship between Christ and His bride, Christ and the church. So those powerful, three powerful ones, to bring glory to God through us, through procreation and through illustration. Amen. And uh, if, if, this is not, if this is not at the very heart of why we're pursuing marriage and relationship and understanding that we're meant to bring glory to God, then that's going to be tricky right from day one. Okay. Um, So that's the first big pitfall. We, if we don't understand what it's for, and if we don't understand God's heart, and if we don't have a healthy picture of what God has designed marriage for, then we're going to struggle. Um, part of this reason is because of the amazing onslaught that is against godly marriage. And I'll say a bit more about that a bit later. Okay, so number one, let's get our minds in Scripture. Let's get our minds renewed around what does the Word say about marriage. And obviously, there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of things we can say about leaving and cleaving. There's a lot of stuff we can get out of Scripture about marriage. So I can't go into all of that now. But one thing I wanted to say at the beginning, we were looking at the nice picture. He who finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Proverbs 18.22. 18.22. Amen? So that's a good thing. This is from God. This is His plan. And this is His amazing purpose. Okay. Then, quickly, secondly, what I want to talk about is this is like two in one. Um, but one question I believe we probably don't ask enough when we're looking into wanting to get into a relationship or wanting to uh, start dating is um, am I ready? I don't know. I think I don't think we ask that question. Um, we, we have a whole bunch of other ways to tell whether I'm ready for my job as a CA. There's a whole bunch of things. You can, I can walk into Michal's job now and at PWC and say, listen, I want to be a, I want to be a CA. And they said, you're not ready <laughs> because you've got the... Um, the point I'm making is that we, we understand this principle on so many other levels. 
But when it comes to relationships, when it comes to pursuing godly marriage, we're like, yeah, I'll just wing it. Most important decision of my life. <laughs> no, I don't have to prepare for that one. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wing it. So the the good question to ask: Are we? Am I ready? And when am I ready? How how can I tell? And um, and I I want to say that for me, one of the key things is as I'm growing in my relationship with the Lord, if I if I find myself in a place where I am in a healthy commu- discipling community. You know, I'm in a community where I have people around me that really care about me, that really care about me and my relationship with God, people that really care about me and my growth in my faith. If I find myself in a place where I position myself in a place where I have people in my life that love me enough that they can tell me the difficult things, and the people that love me enough that they can ask me the hard questions, then I would say, then I'm moving into a place where I can say, okay, I'm maybe on that level. Obviously, there's a bunch of other things that we can talk about, about being ready. But I just want to talk about this aspect. Because I feel that's one of the pitfalls, is that we, we try and make this kind of decision and try go into the season without the safety of the of a, of a fellowship of believers around us. And uh, I believe that's a big pitfall. Um, I believe that if you do not have that kind of a community around you, then I would probably say that's one reason why you may not be ready. Just because you're not positioned well. Does that make sense? Um, you know, I've got... So, yeah. So, if that powerful place of healthy community where I have people around me that love me, people that care enough to say, listen, my friend, what you're doing now is going to kill you. You shouldn't do that. And put one of those signs up, cliff ahead. Don't, don't go there. <laughs> Turn around. I, found, where did, I forgot to put that one up. There's another one I found that says danger the wrong direction. You've got to turn around. If you continue there, you're going to die, basically. Okay? You need people like that in your life. Amen? And, uh, and in our context, a lot of that happens in small groups. But I remember there were times that I was, you know, starting to, you know, relationship. Think, okay, I'm, I'm, on, the right, I'm on the right season now. I should pursue relationship. And it was so precious to have believers around me that could hear God and that could say, yes, but look at this, or what about this, or we're praying for you, or watch out for that, they could really support me and pray with me. Amen? And when I was in complete dis- you know, discouragement, or I was confused, or when I was this or that, I could have people to pray with me and trust with me and discern with me. Amen? Can I have at least one? That's it. Hallelujah. So, so I want to say, being in a place of, of healthy discipleship, and, and along with that, um, as we just mentioned, the biblical understanding of marriage, and Philip mentioned this last week, because this is the only reason why we would go into a dating relationship, is, is it would be someone that could lead to marriage. There's no other reason to, go, to start dating. If this friendship can lead to marriage, I want to investigate this. 
And this the only if I can answer that question as Philip said last week, then that is a good a successful relationship. If it's no, it's successful relationship. If it's yes, hallelujah, then it's a very successful relationship. <laughs> but the point is that is the only reason you would enter into it. Amen. And that's also one uh, way to avoid a lot of heartache, is if that's not the reason I'm going into the relationship, then I, I shouldn't. Okay. Amen. We had a I had a, a new couple. We just arrived in Joburg, planted church there. I didn't know these people very well. And uh, they were engaged. And, and later on I got more of the details, but then, but then it was a bit late. But apparently what happened is the, the lady met this guy and things looked great. And they started dating and they got engaged. And, and some of the people closest to her were just saying, whoa. It's just red lights. We don't feel right about this. We've been praying. We don't. I don't know what the reasons they gave, but they were just they were just really pleading with her to just take take it slow, watch out. Even the flatmate, um, just saying, yeah, she's really she's really discouraged because this lady wouldn't wouldn't give any attention to any of that. And. Um, yeah, they nobody would able was able to convince him to slow down or just to pause or I don't know I don't even know what the details were but I just remember this flatmate really kind of pleading with her and uh, and all on deaf ears and to such an extent that they pretty much isolated themselves to to a large extent and then that marriage lasted two years and I don't know all the details honestly I don't know. And I can't say it's this one's fault or that one, but I'm just like, oh, no. we must listen to those things. We must, we must really trust God to hear what He has to say through other people. Okay. The, I just want to read a scripture here in terms of the whole principle of because this takes humility, guys, isn't it? Doesn't it? Isn't it? it to, to humble myself to say to some of my friend, my friend or my brother in Christ, listen, I, I really like this girl. Please tell me what you think, because I'm making myself very, very vulnerable, and I'm saying I'm humbling myself, and I'm asking the Lord to speak to me through other people. Okay, let's read Second Chronicles, 26. This is King Uzziah. He, it's an amazing piece of scripture, actually. You should go read the context, the whole chapter. But I just want to read this little bit. Yeah, he was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was. A beautiful name, and in, in, in Jerusalem, and he, when he did what was right, when he and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done, he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of the Lord, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. That's a good one. I mean, as long as he sought the Lord, then in Jerusalem. Couple of verses on in Jerusalem, he made machines, invented by a skillful man. Did I put that in there? No, verse 15. In, in his fame, no, one, one back, sorry. And his fame spread far, and he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. He was humble and he sought the Lord. And as, as long as he sought the Lord, and as long as he was humbling himself before the Lord, the Lord made him prosper, and he, but then he became strong. 
and he thought he knew what he was doing and he stopped seeking the Lord and he became proud and that led to his destruction. Go and read the rest. It's quite hectic what happened. But it's, it's just this principle of as we humble ourselves, as we humble ourselves to position ourselves in relationship where people can tell you things. It's, it's, it's vulnerable. I mean, it's, it's humbling. James 4 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Humbling, humbling ourselves, uh, I believe part of submitting to God is submitting to the fellowship of the saints, but submitting to one another in a place of saying, Lord, I'm trusting you to speak to me through other people as well. Especially around the thing around matters of the heart. Guys, I've seen the strongest believers. Their discernment goes out the window when, they, when they're in love. I'm honest, being honest with you now. That your discernment is just not reliable. So we need other people around us. Amen. I think you get my point. Okay. Let's go on. I've seen I've seen so many people. Uh, I remember this one specific guide of evangelism. It's called the Way of the Master. It's just a, a couple of things from Scripture the guys take to to share Jesus with people. And I thought, let me try this. And I went down to the place with the the food court place there in the student center. And I sat down next to a random guy, and I applied this method. <laughs> but the point is, it was the gospel. And this guy had such a powerful encounter with Jesus right there in the cafeteria in front of our plates of, I don't know what it was, fries or something. But he was he literally, he was, he was crying. And the Lord touched his life, and he was born again. Powerful, powerful, amazing experience. And he started growing in the Lord, and uh, he just got slotted into a small group. He started growing in his faith. And then a few weeks down the line, I, w- I was so encouraged because of his growth. And a few weeks down the line, I was, I was like, where's this guy? And then they, saw, they, said, they told me, there's this girl. Like, start their walk of faith, grow, and then this girl or this guy comes upon the scene. And then just chaos. So I'm, I'm just going back to that point of, and then there's often this it's maybe not a believer or somebody that's this or that, or, and suddenly this amazing growth that they've experienced just goes out the window. They get distracted. And, and they haven't been yet settled enough in that relationship, that community of faith, that they have people to tell them, whoa, whoa, just hang in there. And then I, I see, I've seen so many people backslide or lost to the kingdom because they don't get the timing right. Amen? I'm not saying that's the wrong person. Maybe it is, but maybe not then. But I have another good example. So, please, must, the part of this example is, is, is blessed, but the other part is really bad. It's a, it's a good example of what not to do. Okay, are you with me? So what happened in this situation is a friend of Arna's, my wife Arna, she was a leader in church, um, strong believer, and somehow she got into a relationship with an unbeliever, with a guy that's not a Christian. And we were like, what? What's going on? This is not a good idea. I'm going to talk a bit more about that just now, after this. But, uh, and, and 
And we're like, this can't, this, this is not going to work. You know, the Bible is clear about this, etc., etc. So that's that's the part that you shouldn't do. Okay, I'm going to talk about this now, just in a moment. But miraculously, by the great grace of God, this guy gets born again. Okay, praise the Lord. Guess what's the first thing he does when he gets born again? He breaks up. Because now he hears God's voice. Mm -hmm. Now he realizes, I'm a baby Christian. I need to grow in my faith. I need to, I can't, I can't do this now. Isn't that amazing? He says, I'm really sorry. And he breaks up with her. I had such respect for that guy because the next two years or so, he immersed himself in the Word. He positioned himself in a place where he was able to be discipled. He did Bible school. He became a leader in church. He, he was, because I saw he made that difficult, I'm sure it must have been a difficult decision, but he honored God because he realized this is the most important thing now. I need to be established in my faith. Amen? Isn't that powerful? Um, but remember the first bit, don't do that. Okay? <laughs> um, and he grew in faith and he also became a leader. He, he outgrew that lady in terms of maturity. Such a powerful way. And now they are married. They have beautiful kids. I was... <laughs> but remember the first part. <laughs> don't do that. Okay? You must, please don't get me wrong in this example, but I had such respect and I believe God honored that decision because uh, and and yeah, and the Lord really blessed him because he was able to discern what God's will was in that moment. Um, so another thing that we, but maybe just while we're on that point, uh, this is something I believe that is a big challenge for us, is that we we try to do things God's way, but we, we do it like halfway. We had, I had a friend who did a bunch of outreaches with us. Her name is Nompeliso. Uh, it was a lady. And uh, she was such a quiet lady. I remember about halfway in the trip, a six-week outreach, we found out she's already in her 40s and she has children. We didn't know this before. We were all like just over 20. She's quietly doing a thing in the back there, serving Jesus, going on outreaches, and then one day we came into an area which was more Koza speaking, and we thought, peaceful, I want to give Nompi the mic. Guys, this quiet little peaceful lady took that microphone and she preached the gospel <laughs> with such passion and fire. And oh, everybody was like sitting like this. And I wanted to get saved. I wanted to respond to the altar call. I couldn't, I couldn't understand a word she was saying, but after the the anointing with which she spoke was so powerful. But I remember we noticed that in each of her messages, she one point came to a point where she talked about 50-50. That's the only thing I could understand. And at one point we, we asked her, what is that part that you talk about 50-50? What is that about? And she said, she said, she's telling the people that you cannot serve God and something else. You cannot be one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. You can't do things half-half. And I, and I have such a conviction that so often we try to do this with relationships. We try to say, yo, I, if we've got, we've, 
our mind is still so much in the world, but we want to do things godly in a godly way. So we stand 50-50. We stand with one and it just doesn't work. We're trying to do things God, in a godly way on the other side and just doesn't work. And one of the big things we, that, that happens when we do this um, is this whole thing of, of uh, going into relationships with people that are not believers, that are not on the same page. Um, let's read Second Corinthians 6. Just briefly, uh, verse 14. Next one there. It says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership is righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship is light with darkness? Um, it's the same thing with Jesus has come, I'm, come and take my yoke upon you. It's... it's um, when you're in a yoke with somebody else and they turn, you turn. You can't turn on your own. When you're in a yoke with somebody, you're going in the same direction. You can't go different directions. You're going at the same pace. That's why it's so powerful when Jesus says, come here. Yeah, I'm, this is my yoke. Come here next to me. I want you to go in the same direction I'm going, at the same pace that I'm going, in the, doing the same thing I'm doing, pulling the same thing, weight that I'm pulling, Okay, that's why it's so powerful in that picture. But that's also why it's so bad when we do it with somebody that's not following Jesus. Does that make sense? You, you're yoked together. It doesn't work. Um, I can talk, say a lot about that. I'm just going to pause there. Another thing we get wrong with this 50-50 thing is people... Um, We've come, you know, up to this point, and then I'm like, my hair on my neck, just stand up like this. And yeah, people say, yeah, oh, we realize X, Y, Z is wrong, but so we're just gonna do this and this and this. I'm like, ah. <laughs> uh, it's a tough one. Bring your questions to the question session we're having on the th <laughs> when is it the thirtieth? But it's like a candle. Somebody explained it once like this. Um, if you light a candle, it's like one of those birthday candles you get that you keep on blowing them and they don't die. It's like that. If once you've lit that candle, it's going to go all the way down. It, you can't restore that candle to its original size anymore. Once you've lit it, it just goes one way. You can't get that back. Um, so, and there's... So there's a bunch of ways. Another thing is people say, that we're going to move in together. It makes economical sense, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're not going to do anything silly physically. We're going to be really good and sh have strong boundaries. Do you guys know what a chicken ladder is? I don't know. That's the incorrect word. In Afrikaans, it's called a unerleer. It's that thing in the chicken coop where the, ki the chickens sit on it. It's like a structure. A little, it look, can look like a ladder sometimes. Okay? And my one friend at Varsity had this saying, if you go and stand under that thing, guess what? You're going to get poo on your head. You, a good tip is to look down. And if you see the amount of poo there on the floor of that chicken, <laughs> chicken coop, that's going to give you an idea. If you stand there for a couple of minutes, that's what your head's going to look like. Put you themselves in that. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay, it's quiet in here now. Anyway, so... Just remember the poo is going to fall and you won't be able to avoid it. And um, 
that somehow we try to do things a little bit like the world does and a little bit like the kingdom, and then it just goes pear-shaped. Okay. Okay, another thing that we get wrong is we get very spiritual. Hey? Over-spiritual. <laughs> we had an interesting situation back when I was in Stellenbosch. There were um, about three or f- it could have been four of the guys that were leaders among the students. Now, I'm not talking about new believers. Strong Christians, discipled, they can hear God, going on missions, praying for the sick, people get healed, you know, God's working through their lives, they've got fruit of the Spirit. All four or three, let's just make it conservative, three of them had words from God about who their wife is. And they are all the same lady. They all had words from the Lord about the same girl at the same time. Now, I don't know. You don't need to be a rocket scientist. (laughs) So these guys were very spiritual and very deep and very seeking God. And and now we can have a good laugh about that. But guys, that's reality. If we get so heavy spiritual and we... We don't have people around us that would. The one of them did, he did get married to her in the end, so praise the Lord for that. But um, even even in a in a context of guys that really hear God, we are we our discernment just it's not so lacquer when when it comes to emotions and 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 falling in love. Um, and that's why we need people to help us out. And I want to say, please be careful about prophecies about relationships. Please be careful about words of knowledge about relationships. Please. If you get a word from the Lord, or if you think you get a word from the Lord about that this person is your wife, let me tell you what not to do. Do not tell that girl that. If you do, and I find out, I will come and visit you with my baseball bat and the fivefold ministry. No, please guys, um, that's the last thing you do. Amen? Because that is manipulation. Okay? Unless that lady has had an angel visiting her and when you ask her out for a date and you some years down the line you share your word and you say, well, I've got the same word, praise the Lord. But you don't tell that girl that. Amen? Especially if you're not friends yet or if you have zero relationship or you joke, it happens, people. And another thing, please don't do if you get a word for somebody else that that girl is your wife and that one please guys. Don't go tell. Pray. Pray for the people. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Pray. Pray a lot. Pray for them. But I wanna caution you, do not prophesied dates and mates. Okay. That's a good rule. Just a rule of thumb. It's not thus saith the Lord. I'm not standing there at the top. But um, it's just, I'm just giving you practical advice. Okay? Um, I'm not saying, I'm just saying this, we, we sometimes get so spiritual. And one of the things we get spiritual about is we see this guy leading worship. He's so anointed. My goodness gracious. You know, the, the hand of the Lord is upon him. 
Or we see this lady, she's playing the piano and she sings like an angel. And then your knees go weak and you think the Lord is speaking to you. And, um, <laughs> and often you, people fall in love with somebody's gifting, not joking. Okay? And they're like, wow, this is amazing. Meantime, the whole row of guys next to you are all <laughs> having the same problem. Um, so when I say, when you're looking for somebody, don't, don't, don't confuse giftedness with maturity. Okay? We, we often do that in charismatic circles. We think because this person is gifted and they're moving in the gifts of the Spirit, they are a mature believer and they're ready to be my husband or whatever. Yeah. In a similar way, you know, so look out for fruit more than you look out for gifts. Okay? And that in your same in your own life as well, where as you are becoming the right person, don't worry so much about the gifts, but trust God for fruit to increase. The fruit is the, the hard part. The gift is free. Sorry to disappoint. Gifts are free. First day that you're saved, where this lady, ugh, I always forget her name. She ministers to the drug addicts there in Hong Kong. Powerful lady. I'll get her name just now. But uh, she says they have heroin addicts, proper, proper heavy heroin addicts, coming in, get born again, filled with the Spirit, prophesying, speaking in tongues, words of knowledge. The previous day, this guy was still Really almost overdosing on heroin. The next day, he's prophesying, bringing a word in church. Is that the kind of guy I'm going to ask for marital advice? Or, or I mean, I'm not, I'll just, I'm, he's not a mature believer. Amen? He's not a mature believer. He's a, he's a new believer. He's one day saved, but he has received the gift. Don't, just, don't, don't confuse those. Amen? So look more for fruit. Then you're looking, and only also in your own life that you're looking for giftedness or uh, somebody is moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. Where am I now? Okay. Just this is a, just a sub point. It's not even a full point, but I, I thought I must mention this. Ephesians 5, 22. Okay, so this is, sorry, this picture is the one that goes along with that. Just keep that, make, just imprint that in your mind. This is the picture I want to show you if you're considering going into a relationship with somebody that's not a believer. And I'm not joking right now. I know people that were born again after being married or even that made this mistake. I know somebody that's in her 70s now, she's still a strong believer, but if you're considering this, I'm going to ask you to go and have a tea with this lady, that she can explain to you what she's been through the last 30 odd years, 40 years, being married to somebody that's, that doesn't believe the same as you do. Amen. Tough one. Okay. That's the picture that goes with that. Just have that imprinted in your mind. Okay, carry on. Carry on. <laughs> um, let's read Ephesians 5. Wives, submitted to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, 
so also wives should submit to everything in their husbands. Just to give a little bit of context, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Gave his life, laid down his life for her. Okay? Before people get confused. We're not going to talk about submission now, except in the, in the context of ladies. It says here, submit to your own husband. It does not say boyfriend there. Okay. Amen. You do not submit to your boyfriend. Is that clear? You submit once you're in covenant. <laughs> once you're in covenant. Are you agreeing? Are you agreeing there at the back? Uh, a, I mean. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm mentioning this, guys, because there are some parts of our societies we have noticed that people feel under pressure, put, they put under pressure by their boyfriends to submit to them. And that is not biblical. Especially, this is mixed up. Boyfriends putting pressure on ladies to have sexual intimacy with them and then pulling this card. That is, I almost said a bad word now, but that is from the, that's not from the Lord, okay? That's from the pit. Let me just say it as I want it. It's from the pit of hell. Okay, that's not what God is saying here. So that's just an aside note here, okay? Um, when there's a big rock on your finger and you've entered into covenant, that's when this powerful, powerful dynamic starts, but not before that. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Then I want to just mention something just at the end here. Okay, so remember, and Philip mentioned this also last week, because the powerful purpose that God has for marriage. This amazing, this is actually, it boggles my mind every time I think about it, that he has chosen this marriage relationship to represent Christ and his bride, to illustrate this amazing dynamic between Christ and the church. And can you see that if the enemy wants to destroy that image, it just makes so much sense that he's going to do his absolute best to destroy marriage and to destroy godly families and to destroy godly anything that's godly around relationships. In fact, he's going to do his level best, and we can see this in, in society around us, to just absolutely tear that image apart. If you look around us, if we look what's going on all over the world about marriage and what it is and what it isn't, that's what's happening. Okay? But that doesn't change God's purpose, and it doesn't change his design. What it does, it, it, and this is the next pitfall, is we underestimate the assignment against godly relationships. We underestimate the assignment of the enemy against godly marriage. And we get onto that cruise line and we're like, woohoo! <laughs> and this is again, maybe we should show that nice picture again. Just put that nice picture up there before people get depressed. But, um, no, no, go, <laughs> no, the other one. <laughs> next, next, next one. That one, yes, it's beautiful. So um, this this doesn't say that, that marriage 
marriage is amazing, and marriage is beautiful, and there is so much that we learn from about God in marriage. My one friend always used to say, "If you wanna, if you wanna really know Jesus, if you wanna really get intimate, then you must get married. But if you wanna really, really know Jesus, then you must have children as well, because then you don't even know what it means to die to yourself." <laughs> but um, so there's so much beauty and so much so much that's precious around marriage. But what we do is we underestimate what the enemy plan is against marriage. Okay? And and we think and we, we don't prepare ourselves and we don't position ourselves, as I said at the beginning, to be able to to handle that. But now at in this very same breath I want to say what we also underestimate and the power of his resurrection at work in and through godly relationships. And maybe just a wake-up call. This battle that I'm talking about doesn't start the moment you say, I do. It starts right now. It starts when you get born again and you start allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your mind about what it means to be married and what godly relationship looks like. That is when the battle starts. Because the enemy doesn't want you, that to happen in your life. Amen? Um, so you will. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this is a bit sobering, but I'm hoping it's not depressing. What I'm trying to say is, don't think this battle is going to start one day at the pulpit when I say yes. It starts now because the the enemy is is throwing stuff at us because he doesn't want us to f walk in the fullness of this beautiful thing that God has created. So if he can mess it up in your head and in your mind. And in your relationship before marriage, then he's one, he's just there. Can you see that? So right now we need to understand that this is not only this battle is not only happening when I'm actually in marriage. It happens before also. That battle for purity is one of the biggest battles, and that's what Paul was talking about. That doesn't go away when we get married. Let me just mention that as well. People think all oh, these issues I got on my head. They're just gonna magically disappear and evaporate when I when I say I do. No, that's why we need to be strong in that battle now, so that we can pick the fruit when we are married. Does it make sense? At least for three of us. Hallelujah. That's good. Okay. So interesting thing, very amazing thing happened at the cross. The devil, the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren, he rallied every every troop he's got, every demon, every power, everything of hell. And and him and all his cronies, they pulled all their all their darkness and all their power and all the power of hell came against Jesus. And he overcame them. Amen? They didn't have anything left. Amen? They, they tried everything. They gave it everything they got. They pulled the trigger on every missile and everything and every curse and every sin was upon him. Don't, and he overcame. So that's the good news part. 
don't underestimate that either. Because even if all hell comes against us, He overcomes. Amen. Christ in us, the hope of glory, is able to overcome whatever the devil throws at you, whatever he tries to do to bring destruction in our relationship. Jesus, the Christ in us, the hope of glory, is able to overcome. Amen. So just, just remember to keep that in your mind as well. He, he promises grace that abounds. He says, I've made an abundance of provision for everything that I've called you to do. That's not only financially, but in every other way. He has overcome. And as you and I humble ourselves, and as we seek Him, and as we position ourselves, as we invite Him in, that power of His resurrection works. We can see it at work in our relationship. We can see it at work in our marriages. That we need to stay in that humble place. Amen. And there's a couple of us here this evening. um, I believe the Holy Spirit is is pressing on our hearts and He wants our minds to be renewed. The scripture Romans says that, that, you, your, that you would be transformed in this area. Amen? That we would be absolutely transformed, completely different by the renewing of our mind. You know, the, the, word, the term brainwashing is such a negative connotation to it. But I believe it's quite biblical if you do it right. Because the Bible talks about us being washed by the Word. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I need my thinking to be continually washed. My brain needs washing. <laughs> and if you're in this place this evening and you realize, well, I need some serious brainwashing by the Holy Spirit, then I believe there's grace for that this evening. To say, Lord, I've, I realize I've got ungodly stuff in my head about relationship. I've got expectations and thoughts and stuff that are not of you. Come, Lord, and wash me. Come and renew my mind. Amen? Um, and just in terms of that humility picture there, uh, Andy Stanley always gives this picture. He says, when you're wrestling through something, Andy, and you're wrestling through something in your relationship or in your marriage, and you're like, where is God? Why isn't He here? And you're just trying so hard to figure it out. But you're not submitting, you're not yielding, you're not humbling yourself before the Lord. Then all that God says, according to Him, He says, God is standing on the side and saying, Listen, I'm here. I'm, gonna, I'm busy opposing the proud. I'm not going to enter. I'm not going to work on your behalf I, unless you humble yourself. But when we do, when we humble ourselves, we open that door wide and then the grace of God floods into that situation. But as we, as we keep ourselves proud, and I want to say that when we isolate ourselves, we think, I know better. I'm not going to listen to anybody else around that God has put around me. I'm not going to listen to good godly advice or any person of authority in my life. I'm just going to do my own thing. That is often rooted in pride. And that's when God steps back three steps and said, listen, please let me know when you're ready for me to step in. When we, and I, so oh, I just want to mention that again, guys. That place of humility is such a powerful place. I feel that tonight that God wants to also renew hope in hearts. Some of us may be discouraged. Some of us may be disillusioned with this whole idea of marriage or godly relationships. Some of us may have been really hurt badly. 
really feel the heart of the Father. He wants to restore hope. He's saying, my son, my daughter, I have amazing things in store for you. I love you so much. I want you to flourish in relationships in general, but I want you to flourish in the fullness of what I have prepared for you. And I feel he wants to renew, he wants to hold before us again that he is the one that renews and restores and recreates and heals. As many as, you know, I, uh, the many of these things that I've wrestled through preparing this come from a place where we, we're doing some, you know, a lot of marriage counseling lately. And I, often I feel if we had addressed some of these things, before, <laughs> we would not be sitting here now. Some of those couples come to us and I'm thinking, hallelujah. If I knew you when you were getting married, I would just say, just pause right here. Just process this stuff in your life. Just bring it yourself into that discipleship relation that I spoke about. I would literally have said, just pause this for a year or two, then go for it. But so what I'm saying is... Um, a lot of this stuff, as we wrestle with God and as we allow ourselves to be transformed, it, it just sets us up for God's blessing. And it, it protects us from the stuff that can go wrong. Um, oh, but what I wanted to say is just as many stories that I have of, of things really going wrong, I have just as many stories of things where God just heals and restores, and does absolute miracles. And there are people that you think, there's no way these people weren't divorced. It's, it's not possible. And then a couple of months down the line, I'm standing and I'm thinking, Lord, I don't understand how this happened. But these people love each other. They are pursuing Christ together. They have a beautiful family. God is the one that heals and restores and redeems. Amen? He's the one, he's, that's his thing. He's the one of the God of miracles. So I will never ever tell a couple, yes, I think you should, you should consider divorce. I will not swear this is completely different. But this, the, I have such a hope in my heart because Christ is for us. Philip mentioned this last week. He was a John Piper that said, if you're ever confused or you're not sure whether you remarried the right person or just double check on the marriage certificate. Because that's the name. That's the one. <laughs> that's the right one right there. <laughs> what he's saying is that once you've made that covenant, that the Lord's grace is sufficient for whatever comes, so that divorce is not an option. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. Let's stand this evening. We're going to pray together. I've gone quite long now. Um... So there's a couple of things I believe God wants to do. He wants to restore hope in our hearts. He wants to invite us to humble ourselves in this area. And He wants us to, I believe, to open our hearts to say, Lord, I need you in this area of my life. I need your grace in this area. I need your uh, wisdom in this area. I need, I need to seek you in this area. I need to yield to you in this area. Where it says, as we humble ourselves before the Almighty God, He will lift us up. Amen.
Let's close our eyes. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you know every heart in this place. You know every person. You know the details of what's going on in their hearts, Lord. You know the details of what they're wrestling through. You know what they've been through. And you know their deepest pain. And you know their deepest desire. You also know our faults and our failures, Lord, that that you love us the same. Thank you that through the blood of Jesus, you, you have made provision for us. Lord, and in that, in that moment when all of hell came against Jesus on the cross, Lord, the reason that happened is because of our sin. There's no other reason. It's because of our sin. Each one of us here, Lord, we've, we're just in awe again, Lord, because it's our sin that put Christ on the cross. Stuff that put Him there. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you sent Jesus, your only son, to go and carry that on our behalf. On the behalf of all of humanity, you sent Jesus to take that upon himself. Every curse, every sin, every pain, every disease, every every power of hell, every darkness and every thing that comes against us. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you took that upon yourself. I thank you that that you invite us to take part in that again, that you invite us to be a part of that victory tonight. And as every eye is closed, if you are here this evening and right now, you know that you are far from God. Maybe right now, maybe you haven't been to church, maybe this is not your thing. Maybe you, this is new for you, but right now you're aware that you do not have a relationship with the Father. Right now you're aware, you know for sure that you're not right with Him and that you do not have eternal life. Then tonight, the Father, God the Father, is extending an invitation and He's inviting you to accept His gift of salvation. He's inviting you to turn away from your sin, to turn away from your old life. And He's turning, He's inviting you to, to bow the knee before Him, to bow the knee before Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's inviting you to repent of your sin and to bow before Him as King of Kings. He's inviting you to hand over the reins of your, own, of your life, to, to give up to lay down your life, to take up your cross, and to follow Him. And this evening, if that's your desire tonight, if you want to respond to that invitation, if you want to say, yes, Lord, I, I want to repent. I want to lay down my life. I want to turn away. I want to be transformed. I'm tired of, of this stuff in my life. If that's you tonight, and you want to know Him as Lord and Savior. I'd love to pray with you. Is there anybody like that that you want to pray with me tonight? Do you just raise your hand briefly or every eyes closed? I'd love to pray with you. Even if you've maybe known a relationship with Him in the past, but right now you know you're far. You know you're far from Him. I'd love to pray with you. Is there anybody like that? 
lift your hands that want to just come back to Him a bit and just draw near to Him a bit. And I'd like us just to pray together. I believe we can do this every day. But let's just bring our lives to Him again, along with our brothers and sisters that raise their hands now. Let's just bring our lives before Him. I just want to pray, and I want you to, to follow as I lead us in a prayer. Just pray after me. Lord Jesus, let's try again. Let's do it like a loud. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Father, thank you for your love for me. That is so great that you sent Jesus. I repent of my sin. I acknowledge, Lord, that I am a sinner through and through. I cannot save myself. I need you, Lord. And tonight, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. And I confess that God has raised him from the dead. I believe it, Lord. And I thank you that from this moment I, I choose to turn away from my sin, from my old life. I choose to follow you, Lord. I thank you for new life. I thank you that I am your child. I thank you that I can hear your voice. Thank you, Lord, that you go before me. And I ask, Lord, that you'd speak to me. That you direct my, take up my cross. Follow you, God, as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.